This episode of the Royal Ramble is dedicated to the memory of Sarah Lee. Hello again, my friends, and welcome to yet another weekend edition of the Royal Ramble. I am your host, as always, Blaine the Brain, and I want to start by wishing all my Canadian listeners out there a very happy Thanksgiving. Now then, there is a lot to cover in today's episode with two major shows to review, so I'm not going to waste any more time. Let's get right into it. The action kicked off Friday evening as Impact Wrestling presented its biggest show of the year, Bound for Glory. Impact has made tremendous improvements in the last year, and I have to say that I wasn't all that impressed with the build for this show, but the show itself was definitely a pleasant surprise. I ended up missing the pre-show, but the one thing to note, which is usually the most skippable segment on Impact TV, and that had to do with the Digital Media Championship, which is basically Impact's version of the 24-7 title, or really anything involving Brian Myers is pretty skippable in general. But Myers is the digital media champion and issued an open challenge on the pre-show, which was accepted by none other than Dirty Dango, the former Fandango or Johnny Curtis in WWE, which saw Myers retain the title. I'm not so sure this was a great way to debut someone, firstly on pay-per-view pre-show and also with a loss in his first match, but I guess it all depends on whether Dango will be sticking around or not. And this kind of started the theme of weird booking throughout the night. The main show started with a match for the X Division Championship. It was defending champion Speedball Mike Bailey turning back the challenge of AEW's Frankie Kazarian, and I thought the announcers did a great job of emphasizing the winning streak of Mike Bailey heading into his 10th title defense, and also the history of Kazarian in the X Division. It was a very fast-paced match, as you'd probably expect, and I thought these two worked very well together. Bailey hit his ultimate weapon move pretty early, but Kazarian was able to kick out. There was a nice sequence where Bailey was on the ring apron and Kaz ran at him, attempting a spear through the ropes, but Bailey dodged him, sending Kazarian out to the floor, and without one wasted motion, Bailey executed a picture perfect acai moonsault off the top rope. Bailey later kicked out of one of Kazarian's signature moves, the flux capacitor, and then expertly countered an attempt at the Back to the Future into a Poison Rana. The end came where Bailey went for another Ultimo weapon, but Kazarian was able to spring back up and catch Bailey with a cutter on the way down. Kazarian then applied a chicken wing, and that was all she wrote, so we have a new X Division champion. I did not expect this at all. This was the first of many weird finishes, especially since Kazarian doesn't really work for Impact full-time. Mickey James was up next, defending her career against Mia Yin. The story here is that Mickey claims she will retire if she loses in her quest to become Knockout's champion. Mickey looked to have tweaked her knee in the early going, and Mia continued to target that knee for the remainder of the match. But then Mickey executed a fez press off the top rope, which was kind of questionable considering the damage to the knee. They teased the Shawn Michaels-Rick Flair finish with Mia saying, I'm sorry, before delivering eat defeat, but Mickey managed to kick out. Mia then missed a cannonball in the corner, allowing Mickey to hit the Mick DT, which is a terrible name, but it got her the win, and she keeps her career alive. 
The Knockouts tag titles were up for grabs in the next match with Deanna Perrazzo and Chelsea Green, now known as Vexed, defending against Jessica, the former Havoc, and Taya Valkyrie, who are collectively known as the Death Dolls, with Rosemary in their corner. This match was okay, I thought, but nothing out of the ordinary. The basic finish here was Deanna was dumped out to the floor, leaving Chelsea in the ring with with the two challengers. Chelsea then tried the I'm Prettier, which is her version of Christian's Unprettier, but Taya blocked it and then shoved her into Jessica, who put her away with a Sakishi driver, so we have new tag team champions in the knockouts division. More weird booking. I honestly thought there was more upside in having Vexed retain, but it seems like they may have bigger plans for the Death Dolls. The Motor City Machine Guns challenged the Kingdom representing Honor No More, that is Mike Bennett and Matt Taven with Maria, in a match for the World Tag Team titles. This is where the pay-per-view really started to get to that next level. It's really unbelievable that the guns are both in their 40s, yet still move faster and smoother than most 20-year-olds. This was great. Shelley was isolated in the heel corner for a chunk of the match, but eventually made the hot tag to Saban. There was a cool spot where the Kingdom executed a spike pile driver to Saban, with Taven leaping halfway across the ring. This was followed by another cool sequence where Taven was positioned in a tree of woe, and then Shelley hit a sliding drop kick, and then launched Bennett into Taven with a belly-to-belly throw, and Saban completed the sequence with his famous hesitation drop kick. The end came after Bennett inadvertently super-kicked his own wife, Maria, off the apron, and I mean, she really ate that one, so kudos to her. But before the guns could capitalize, Taven snuck back in and schoolboyed Saban with his feet on the ropes to keep the belts. So another weird booking decision, especially considering how the main event went down, but I'll get into that in a bit. This led into the Call Your Shot gauntlet match, which is booked similar to a Royal Rumble, except it, when it gets down to the final two participants, they will compete in a traditional wrestling match, with the winner getting a title match at any time of their choosing, and I say they because this is an intergender battle royal. So the first two out of the gate were Eric Young representing Violent by Design and former ROH star Joe Henry, who they've really been hyping up over the last month or so but I'm personally not into these types of characters. It's just too goofy for me. They're followed by Steve Macklin, Rich Swan, PCO, and Savannah Evans, the first woman to enter the fray. She gets into it a bit with PCO. Johnny Swinger is out next, followed by Tasha Steeles and Killer Kelly, and around this point, the first couple of eliminations happen as Kelly applies a sleeper on Savannah, but Tasha dumps both of them out. Moose is out next at number 10 and immediately tosses out Henry and PCO. Moose then has a bit of a stare down with Macklin following their match last week, but they're joined by Sammy Callahan, who attacks both guys. The first surprise entrant is out next, and his former knockout champion and first ever knockout tag team champion, Taylor Wilde. She's followed by Giselle Shaw. At this point, one of the hooded minions of Eric Young's Violent by Design group jumps the guardrail and comes to ringside. As security is taking him away, another one comes from the other side, and then a third, which is revealed to be Diener under that hood, he comes in and helps Young throw out Callahan. That could be a decent feud coming out of this. Bully Ray returns as number 14, and Tasha immediately gets in his face, only for Bully to press her up and toss her onto the pile of hooded guys at ringside, so Tasha is gone. Tommy Dreamer joins the match next, followed by Rhino, and then Rhino, Dreamer, and Bully join fists 
and have a bit of an ECW reunion. And then this was kind of funny. Swinger, who Hannafin pointed out is also a former ECW guy, tries to join them. And he's clearly the Sami Zayn of that group as they kind of look at each other and then toss him out. Lupinder Gujar is out next, followed by Heath, Bobby Fish, and the final entrant, Matt Cardona, formerly Zack Ryder, making his return to Impact. Moose eliminates Rhino, and then Macklin tosses Heath out, but then as Moose is talking trash to Heath on the floor, Macklin sneaks up from behind and eliminates Moose. Cardona then tosses both Taylor and Giselle, and then Gujar eliminates Cardona. Young then eliminates Gujar, and then Swan dumps Young out, and then Macklin tosses out Swan and Fish, so this all kind of happened in the last few minutes. The final two are Macklin and Bully Ray. Macklin misses an avalanche in the corner, and Bully catches him with a bully bomb for a final three count. So another surprise there, Bully Ray gets the future title match. There was kind of a humorous segment backstage as Eddie Edwards is greeted by Alicia and his two daughters, and the one daughter goes for a kiss but accidentally bumps her nose off Eddie's cheek and starts whining about the nose all segment long. She was a real star of that segment. Eddie's other daughter asks what if Eddie loses tonight, and Alicia basically tries to silence her, saying we shouldn't talk about that. I gotta say, those two girls are much better actors than Alicia. The knockout's title was up for grabs in the next match as Jordan Grace defended against the undefeated Masha Slamovich. This was one of the matches I was least looking forward to, but it turned out to be a pleasant surprise. This was awesome, and probably the best women's match of the entire year in any company. If nothing else, I urge you to find and watch this one. Masha hit a package driver to Jordan on the apron, which looked crazy, and then Jordan answered back with a superplex and followed up with a jackhammer, and then a vertebraker. She then hit the grace driver for a close nearfall. Masha responded with an air raid crash into the corner and then hit the snowplow, but the referee noticed Jordan's foot under the bottom rope and refused to count. Jordan then drilled Masha with another grace driver, this one off the middle rope for the final pinfall. A very surprising outcome indeed, but you know what? It doesn't even matter. This match was straight fire. There was a very unique promo to hype up Hard to Kill in January, which will be on Friday the 13th, so they kind of had a horror theme to it, which was great marketing. Impact also has their next big show, Overdrive, taking place next month. This led to the main event. It was a singles match for the Impact World title, with Josh Alexander defending against Eddie Edwards, representing the Honor No More group. The build for this was a bit lackluster, but this match was great. Alexander came out wearing Toronto Maple Leafs colors and actually did have Maple Leaf logos all over his ring gear, which was a nice touch. Gotta represent. There was a really nice spot where Alexander executed a sequence of rolling German suplexes, first in the ring and then on the apron, then on the floor, and the final one on the ramp. I don't think I've ever seen that before, but it looked great. Back in the ring, Alexander hit the Styles Clash and then applied the ankle lock, but Edwards escaped. Alexander then hit the C4 Spike, but the Kingdom ran down and pulled the ref out. As Taven and Bennett had the ref distracted, Kenny King snuck in a low blow on Alexander, which led to Edwards hitting the Boston Knee Party for a near fall. At this point, Alexander's nose just kind of started gushing blood. It may have been from the knee, I'm not sure. The two then exchanged punches and slapped center ring, which Alexander got the better of, and then managed to hit the final C4 spike to retain. 
After the match, the rest of Honor No More stormed the ring and did a number on Alexander. Rich Swan and Heath tried to save, but the numbers were still too much for them. And then Bully Ray came down, and Honor No More thought he might join them, which they actually did kind of tease, but Bully ended up working with Alexander to clear the ring of Honor No More. Bully then got in Alexander's face and handed him the belt, saying that he's going to be Alexander's biggest challenge yet. And that's how the show ended. I kind of do like where they're going with this, and this could be a well-told story, hopefully culminating at Hard to Kill. The WWE had their own story to tell just last night. It was the Extreme Rules event taking place from the land of the extreme in Philadelphia. The show started very nicely with a creative video package. It was set at a spelling bee event where a child was asked to spell the word extreme and Paul Heyman was used as the announcer. The first match was a good old-fashioned Donnybrook between the Brawling Brutes and Imperium and it was a great way to kick off the show. It was only the second match of its kind in the WWE, and Sheamus had competed in the only other one a couple of years ago. The match was basically a free-for-all, tornado style, so no tags were necessary. I should also mention that during the Brawling Brutes entrance, another White Rabbit video aired, and the announcers didn't acknowledge it. Oh yeah, and I guess I should add that it was Graves and Cole on commentary the whole night. Imperium positioned Sheamus up against the bar set, and Gunther just rifled off these machine gun chops, which looked and sounded vicious. There was a neat spot later where Butch was sandwiched in the corner in a tree of woe position, and as Gunther stopped down on his chin, Kaiser and Vinci each delivered drop kicks from opposing ends on the floor. Sheamus finally gained some momentum for his team with a bro kick to Gunther, but Vinci hit a springboard splash to break that pin. There was a close submission spot where Sheamus had the cloverleaf on Gunther for what felt like an eternity, and it seemed like Gunther was close to tapping, but Kaiser broke it up with a shillelagh across Sheamus' back. On the floor, Butch delivered a moonsault from the top of a group of barrels that were stacked upright onto all three Imperium members. Sheamus then planted Gunther through the announce table with a Celtic cross, and then in the ring he drilled Vinci with a bro kick for the win. This match was great, but unfortunately I felt like the pay-per-view only went down from here. I did think it was a smart move not to pin Gunther, though. The Miz is walking around backstage as he's approached by, I believe, Sarah Schreiber for an interview. He says Monday night is going to be a birthday celebration for himself, so he's here to talk to Triple H about he who shall remain nameless, who, which is basically Dexter Loomis. Miz then spots the Philadelphia Flyers mascot Gritty, who offers Miz a t-shirt, which Miz throws on the floor and kicks away. The Extreme Rules match is next for the SmackDown women's title with Liv Morgan defending against Ronda Rousey. Look, I'm going to be completely honest here. Everything about this match sucked. I hated the build. I despise these two characters. Nothing about this is believable, and I just want it to be over with. But unfortunately, considering the way it ended, it looks like it may continue. Both women started using baseball bats in the early going, but it doesn't seem like either has ever played baseball in their life. Ronda started whacking Liv repeatedly, but those were about the weakest looking shots I've ever seen, and it was clear that Ronda was holding back and still hasn't learned how to throw a worked punch. Later in the match, Liv executed the flying senton off the top through a table. Ronda responded by applying a modified, I want to say, go-go plata or some kind of key lock, Liv didn't tap, though, but she ended up losing consciousness and almost appeared to be smiling, but the ref called off the match and awarded Ronda the title, so we have a new champion. This match went much longer than it should have, and it was awful.
Karrion Cross versus Drew McIntyre in a strap match was up next. My problem with Cross is that his entrances are always the best part of his matches, and this one was no exception. The match begins with Cross basically refusing to put the strap on. He keeps kicking it away, and then a distraction by Scarlet allows Cross to get the advantage. They fight through the crowd, and eventually Drew hits a sidewalk slam off the steps into the ring apron, which looked kind of awkward. I'm not sure what he was trying to do there, but it didn't look like he hit all of it. So he finally puts the strap on Cross, and the match is finally official. Another distraction by Scarlet allows Cross to send Drew into the post, and then he basically works Drew's shoulder for the rest of the match. Drew regains the advantage and sets up for the Claymore, but Scarlet enters the ring and uses pepper spray to Drew's eyes, allowing Cross to hit the cross hammer from behind for the win. They really have to stop booking their baby faces like this. The Miz is backstage on his phone, and he's once again interrupted by Gritty, so he yells at him and storms off. Bianca is challenged by Bailey in a ladder match for the Raw women's title up next. This was one of the matches I was most looking forward to, but I found it kind of underwhelming. I think these two could have had a really good singles match, but something just didn't click in this match, and it might be due to the lack of experience in ladder matches. Before the match, NXT star Nikita Lyons is shown at ringside, so it looks like she may be called up soon. Bailey hits a pretty good-looking flip bomb into a ladder position in the corner, and then sets up a bridge with the ladder set up from the ring steps to the barricade. She positions Bianca on top of it and hits a running elbow drop off the apron, but it didn't really look like she got all of it and may have hurt her own elbow. Midway through the match, Bailey removes what looked to be a metal hinge from her knee brace, but I don't think it ever really came into play. Bianca finally hits the KOD and starts climbing, but then damage control runs out. Bianca then has a very hard time loading up both Dakota and Io on her shoulders to deliver a double KOD. She does hit the move, but that could have ended badly. Bailey regains the advantage and traps Bianca underneath the ladder as she starts climbing, only for Bianca to press the ladder up, causing Bailey to fall off into the ropes. The end comes where Bailey starts climbing, and then Bianca whips her from behind with her braid, and finally hits the KOD on top of a ladder before climbing up to retain her title. A very surprising outcome here, and not a very creative finish, but at least they got to the finish line. It was an okay match. Finn Balor versus Edge in an I Quit match was second from the top, and Balor came out with new entrance music and a new mask for his entrance, very similar to Demolition from back in the day. Finn targets Edge's knee almost immediately, but Edge fires back with a spear through the barricade. They fight through the crowd, and Edge grabs a hockey stick. He sets Balor up on the pay-per-view panel table and then applies a crossface using the hockey stick across Balor's mouth, but Balor manages to wiggle free. Judgment Day run out later on, and Edge ends up spearing Balor through the ropes into both Dominic and Priest at ringside. As he sets up for another spear in the ring, Rhea gets on the ring apron and handcuffs Edge to the top rope. Judgment Day then take turns with kendo stick shots to Edge's back. Rey Mysterio then comes out with a steel chair. He takes down Balor and Priest, but Dominic ends up knocking his father off the apron. Beth Phoenix then gets into the ring and has a face-to-face confrontation with Rhea. She manages to spear Rhea and then grabs the keys to uncuff Edge. Edge then comes face-to-face with Dominic, who tries to beg off and then extends his hand for a handshake, but Edge suckers him in and hits a low blow. Balor gets back in and hits the sling blade, but Edge retaliates with spears to both Priest and Balor. 
Rhea then gets back into the ring and KOs Beth from behind with brass knuckles. The distraction allows Priest to hit the South of Heaven on edge, and then Balor follows up with a trifecta of coup de grace attacks. Rhea then threatens to hit Beth with a concerto, causing Edge to finally say I quit, but Rhea ends up delivering the move anyway, a la Kurt Hennig and Ric Flair with the cage door. It was a very overbooked finish, but the last part made up for it. It was a classic heel spot. For some reason, Miz only now finds Triple H's office backstage, but before he goes in, Gritty shows up again. Miz physically attacks Gritty, but then Loomis comes from behind and chokes Miz out yet again. Loomis then helps Gritty up, and the two walk off, but before they do, Gritty takes a cheap shot on Miz. The fight pit match between Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins closes out the show, with UFC star Daniel Cormier as the guest referee. NXT champion Braun Breaker is also shown at ringside before this one gets underway. This match was okay as well. I thought these two had a much better match at Clash at the Castle, but this one wasn't bad. Riddle uses the cage in the early going, a la Anthony Pettis, kicking off the cage to deliver a front kick to Rollins. They eventually make their way up to the catwalk, where Riddle applies a rear naked choke to Rollins around the chain that is holding the cage up. Rollins fires back with a buckle bomb into the cage, and they're still up there, so a lot of things could have gone terribly wrong here, but fortunately there were no serious injuries. Rollins hits a pedigree on the catwalk, and then starts yelling at DC, but DC refuses to count because they need to be back in the pit. Rollins then misses a stomp, and Riddle hits the RKO, which leads to Rollins rolling off the catwalk back into the ring. Riddle then hits the Broton off the catwalk to Rollins in the ring, which looked like it could have caved Seth's chest in. Riddle then applies a triangle choke, which Rollins fights with all he's got, but eventually succumbs and taps out, though the camera angle on that submission was not great. After Riddle leaves, the lights suddenly go out, and we hear a voice echoing the words, He's got the whole world in his hands. Full-size versions of all the old Firefly Funhouse characters are then shown all over the arena, and then the Funhouse set magically appears, with a TV screen coming on with a picture scrambled, kind of, kind of like a Saw movie. And then we hear the familiar music, though a different version, and out comes a new masked figure with a lantern. He removes the mask, which signals the return of Bray Wyatt. I think everyone expected this, and judging from the pop, everyone liked it, but we'll see if it has any staying power or where they go with it from here, because to me, it just feels like the same old Wyatt shtick. There wasn't really anything out of the ordinary. I didn't think it was good or bad, just unoriginal. But that was the weekend of pay-per-views. I will be back at it next week talking all about the AEW shows in Toronto. Until then, I leave you with an A-B-C-ya.